Hi folks, I'm Alan Watt and this is Cutting Through the Matrix on April the 2nd, 2017. You would think that at the moment there's some kind of pause switch being switched on in the way that life is supposed to flow, in that information, which is just information, we're always talking about the information society and era, etc. But information is just data, and data is often used to mislead. Data can often be to divert. Data is used to to, to fool the targets of the data, the recipients of data. And that's generally what news and news services have been about. I've, I've said this so many times because we've never seen such a blatant abuse of what we used to regard. We were taught and trained very cleverly. We're trained to believe in, in, in our naive way that uh, media is there for our own good to warn us about um, what we should really be concerned about and to be truly independent and and simply impartial to, to the data they, they give to you. It's just data to do with your own survival. That's what we think of as the, as the media, the news, and so on. And nothing is further from the truth. And I've done lots of talks about that in the past. Because media has always been uh, the tool, the main tool for controlling the minds and the, the behavior of populations. As you grow up from childhood right through, you're constantly conditioned by little bits and bytes of information coming through the media, which form your opinions. And it doesn't occur to you that you're being lied to. The only time uh, that, that children are born in a natural state and behave as such, and is born in a natural state, is in a, a very, what we call a primitive tribal situation. Because really, we shouldn't be born into behaving in a paranoid fashion, as we do now in the West. We're getting that way. But in a, in a, in a tribal fashion, uh, where it's a small tribe, what you see is what you get. Here's the chief, and here's, his, here's the, the council, and, and often, and generally, your, your parents are all part of the same council. Uh, everybody is part of it. And therefore, that you can't pull a fast one over them so easily. You can't con the, the small tribe so easily. And the children themselves, all that they know is the reality. That is the reality. All that they know is the reality. It does, it, there's, no, there's no special interest groups trying to grab their brains and indoctrinate them uh, or bend their, bend their minds in umpteen different uh, fashionable ways for the present. But in the West, of course, it's a completely different story. We don't have the, the, the health that you'd be allowed to have in a natural setting. We're not given that opportunity because we're run by uh, factors of power, controlling factors. And these factors have to grab you very early and to make sure that you are going to be trained into being a good, obedient citizen for the power elite uh, and the power elite generally are not the ones you'll ever hear about in politics. Uh, that's the truth of the system in which we, we live. Um, the media's job has as much to do with not telling you what you should really know for your own good as, as to tell you uh, what you should know. And that's a fact as well. That was reinforced recently when I out a couple of short clips by John Pilger in Australia 
because I was wondering about all this nonsense about, oh, we're, we're either going to go to war with Russia or we're going to go to war with China. And, and these kind of rumours get circulated. And I thought, well, what is it with China? I've said for, for so long, why would your dominant minority, your true elite, uh, make sh- draft up or, um, the treaties for free trade? With, and the GATT Treaty, the General Agreement on Trade and tar- Tariffs and Trade, and do all that kind of th- stuff, and the World Trade Organization, and, and put all your factories into China, which at one time would be suicide for any dominant minority, because if you ever went to war with that country, you wouldn't have the, the physical machinery back home to mass-produce, the, and suddenly mass-produce all the machinery of weaponry, which you would need to defeat your enemy. So it made no sense at all unless China and the elite of China are also on board with the same paycheck uh, put out by the dominant minority. So therefore, we're, we're, you're living in manufactured chaos with the pretense of war, which of course is what the Cold War was about too. Uh, incredible, incredible profits by mass-producing every month a new, a new version, a mark, whatever, of the latest missile, missile, anti-missile, missile, missile. And, um, and, and the taxpayers had to just cough up the cash. It was, it was a great, great thing for the big military-industrial boys. Therefore, war is always going to be that way from, from then on, as it is today. So the threat of war is what keeps this incredibly... It's probably the biggest business, really, uh, in, in the planet. That really is what it is. Um, making stuff that you never use, have no intention of using unless you're suicidal, and and you have to keep replacing very quick because you will come out with rumours that your enemy or potential enemy has a, a better, faster, yada 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 gizmo than the one you've got, and and so uh, it's like for, for the for the guys who make this nonsense, it's fantastic profits, incredible profits. Therefore, anyway, I wanted to know about the rumours of going to war with China, what it was all about. But John Pilger had given, he's on another movie, and he did a few talks on the movie to do with, because he went to China and was interviewed there and discussed it with people in China. Because it was a much, as much a shock to those in China, I think, as it was to most Australians that the US was thinking of going to war with China. Uh, and it's really saber-rattling. It's not really going to war, but it's, it's on the way to war if they ever wanted to do it. We've heard about the, the, the Chinese making more and more artificial islands in the South China Sea and putting bases on it, landing strips. Uh, but what they didn't tell you is it's also per- perhaps in reaction to the U.S. building more and more in the same area. And they've been doing that for many, many years from the U.S. side. Uh, so what's also happened, too, is that the, as the countries always sign, every few years they sign their, their non-proliferation treaties and limited strikes. If they ever strike at all, if you send two missiles, we'll send two, and you play this game of, of agreements, that's been tossed out the window, too. And therefore, China has therefore, for the first time, armed their nuclear missiles. Uh, and but they, they seem to be as bewildered as everybody else. Now, there's no doubt about it. We, we know that regardless of, of whatever administrations in power, they always bend over for the military boys because the military-industrial boys who make the big, big weaponry stuff, the big, big stuff. And 
so it wouldn't matter which president's in power. But regardless, you also have to wonder if if the big boys at the top do want some mass. They, well, we do know they, they want a mass coming. We know that. They're, they're always prattling on there's too many people. On the other hand, the same people are prattling off there's not enough people to pay off the national debts. <laughs> and on it goes and on it goes. But um, the, the, the only way, how, how are you going to get a mass call? Uh, you're also, your own countries are going along and being good citizens and not procreating and, and having children. Uh, and going along with bringing down the population size, then then the same people bring in uh, masses from outside into your own countries to make up supposedly the difference. So you can't win. And then 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 you hear the bitching going on. There's too many folk now in your country. I mean, you simply can't win. It's not meant that you win anything. I hope you understand that. That's what all this game's about. It's not meant that you win. You will never win in this game. And. Uh, and, and now they're going full steam ahead with their prattling on about uh, depopulation again and so on. The thing is, I think the future, I always, I've always known, said this, the future's always been planned. And you get lots of clues from a lot of the participants in history that the future's always planned. I mean, your own government's always planning things. They're always planning future wars, possibilities of wars, and things like that. Wars are not spontaneous things. They take a long, long time, many years of planning and building up in preparation for wars. Even for logistics and supplies and demand and how you do all this, it's all worked out years and years in advance. And that's the truth of it, too. Therefore, any wars that really go on, you can guarantee uh, were planned many, maybe even 10 years, maybe even 20 years beforehand, uh, and hadn't quite decided on the date of all, but uh, they, they, they planned it 20-odd years beforehand. And we're living through a big, big business plan, uh, probably even much of it, in fact, d- designed before I was born. And that's how big this big world business plan is. You can pick up books from the 1940s, 1930s about a world government that was a big, big movement at the time through technocracy and through all the big uh, um, organizations within academia. They churned out the books about their utopias and etc. Uh, they were all for communism at one time in the West, especially from the, the professors who flooded into these positions in the Western universities, bringing communism with them. And it's been awfully, awfully successful. But right now, it's almost as though we're, we're, we're in a kind of stasis. And it's as though, as I say, the pause button has been pushed on all our lives as the real dominant minority who rule the planet are trying to rethink what they're going to do because, as I say, look at the incredible in-your-face mass program across the world with all media against Donald Trump. It's not a matter of liking the guy or disliking the guy. You've been, you have been trained to believe that the media is impartial, that its job is to give you facts and news. That's the facts. And then nothing is further from the truth, as I say. I hope everyone never forgets this incredible, huge display of all the media in all countries saying the same things and being utterly furious that, that's, that the other party didn't get in. D- don't forget that. 
Don't ever forget that. Because if you ever trust media, you, you do so at your own peril. And they aren't going to change and somehow become honest. They're control factors. That's what they're there for. And they, as I say, they, they shape as much of your mind by holding back information, not, not mentioning it at all, spinning it, slanting it, omitting great chunks of it till, till, till you don't get the proper conclusions. It's all done very carefully and deliberately to make sure you do get the authorized conclusions. That's what it's about. But don't forget what's been happening. But it's not on the go. Even now, there's, there's hardly anything out there that's what we call actual news. Most things that happen in the world have never been told to the public. It's all done in secrecy. We're given nothing today, but what they call news today is trivia. Most of it's utter trivia or soap opera type stuff. Nonsense. Uh, entertainment is not, is not news. It's a separate category. And they blend all that in. Sports is the same thing. That's not news either. That's, that's another part of entertainment. Uh, but they blend it all together and, and substituted real, real information, which is important, uh, uh, with entertainment instead. Or trivia. Uh, I've given out the links over the years to even mainstream documentaries about the news, where many of the themes that they bring out are worked out years in advance. And then when the months roll by, oh, it's what we've got to, oh, it's this one here, this, is, this, this and this and this to do this month here. And it's done years in advance. And that's the problem with it. But never, never wait for media to do your thinking for you. The sad thing is, as Brzezinski said, and he was all for this technique, mind you, of, of total control, controlling the minds of the people. Brzezinski said that uh, shortly the public would be unable to think for themselves. Uh, they'll expect the media to do their reasoning for them. And unfortunately, that's already happened. And he wrote the book back in the 1970s. So that's happened. People do expect the media to do their reasoning for them. Therefore, if you tell them something, or even show them evidence of something, uh, the general public, who have been trained only to believe the media, look at you as, as though they're crazy. And they'll say, well, well, where was that on the news? And, and they won't believe you. That's the beauty of total conditioning. It works awfully well with most people. But right now, as I say, we're on a kind of hold pattern where, well, there are things going ahead. They're still pushing ahead with our carbon taxes, which is simply part of the austerity program to take away your spending money under the guise of saving the world. It's nothing to do with that at all. Uh, and I've, I've, I've read the articles ad nauseum over years from the, the big characters involved in that movement to bring it all in, the carbon taxes and so on, saying themselves, admitting themselves, that it was all to, to change the way we live, to get government agencies up and rolling, where they can dictate to us and move us around the, into their, their human habitat areas, etc., etc. Take away your, your spending money, bring into austerity, post-consumerism and so on. And that's what it's all designed to do. Mind you, it's also designed to get, create a new kind of stock market where the big corporations can trade carbon credits. And it's a beautiful thing because you, you, you pass around imaginary nonsense except for the money. And you don't even need warehouses to store anything. It's all, it's all abstract nonsense and fantasy. It's almost as though we're nearing the end, the end of any uh, logical system 
uh, and it's by design, isn't it? Because they really believe in all the nonsense they're pushing down our heads right now. We've got to save the world by, by them trading carbon credits to make uh, multi-billionaires, uh, multi-trillionaires, as they turn them into that. They get all the money, you see. Uh, then uh, we'll believe anything. And if we believe anything, uh, society as such is completely finished. Really, totally finished. And all the other stuff they're bringing in on, on top of it too, which is all meant to attack your, your, your logical reasoning processes and to get to accept things which are simply absurd. And that's the way it's going. But, but, um, and, and what's amazing to me too, and it shows you the collusion of, of a media again, when, when they can keep major things so quiet. When they want you all to be happy. I think it was quite a few years back, it was Rogers, of the big Rogers media uh, companies, uh, that, that said that he was fed up with bad news. And meanwhile, if you're going through your, your eternal recession, as I like to call it, uh, you, you get bad news. Uh, unemployment, we've had the, the years and years of uh, the factories fleeing and all the supporting industries to the factories for raw materials, all, all closing down. So still going on, yeah, uh, and nothing to replace it by until we turn into a service economy, till we paddle and then we drown in an in-swimming pool because you cannot survive as a nation with just a service economy. And um, the only way you could do that is if... That was just the whole idea of their free trade uh, in a Marxian line because they talked about back in, in the, the, the times of Marx and then Lenin where they would create countries to be manufacturing countries and then they would make other countries into other uh, designated things for the whole world, for a planetary system. Uh, but if you're going to still have a nation, if you're going to have a nation, uh, then you better produce stuff. If you don't produce stuff, you're not a nation anymore. And um, as I say, you cannot, you can only paddle in the swimming pool for so long before you drown. And that's where we're, what's happening right now. We're drowning. We're producing nothing. And the, the global idea has kind of flopped, as we well know, because it's so corrupt. The European Parliament have done many programs on the par- on the European Parliament uh, on, and with incredible corruption in it, where, where millions of euros just go missing all the time, and it's quite normal. The whole thing seems to run with a, a secret bureaucracy, and it's definitely a secret uh, uh, commission above it, unelected. And and also uh, the, the secretive uh, banking system that's all part of it too. I've done programs on that as well. It's not conspiracy. It's admitted. It's very secretive, and and they make they have closed door meetings and everything to do with money, and finance. Uh, that's not open. That's not democratic. And but nothing changes. It gets worse and worse. And they kind of laugh at the people. And crooks rule. We're we're living in an incredibly corrupt age. Incredibly corrupt. We, we saw and lived through the 2008, what they call the bank crash, but really it was, it was planned that way, with pyramid schemes basically and the greed factor through the banking system. It took years to get to that stage of incredible, incredible profits and looting of the public with the cons that they, pull, they pulled when they deregulated the whole industry uh, during, I think it was Reagan and Thatcher in Britain. And they said, oh, let the market uh, run itself or readjust itself. Utter nonsense, because they're really talking about the banking system and 
yeah, there were more and more bankers at the top that ran all the banks at the top, the high positions coming out with, with billions and basically <laughs> for, for, for salaries uh, during that whole period. But uh, at the end, uh, they crashed it. They crashed it as they passed all the mortgages around and up the prices and resold them and up the prices and resold them until your, your, your standard little house technically on paper was worth a few billion dollars. And in reality, it was worth hardly anything at all. Uh, then they crashed it. Then they used the tax money again to bail them out, which they actually expected to happen, so they weren't worried about that either. And uh, and uh, that's how they got they, they got away with it all. But the fallout from it all was incredible. It's not finished. The fallout's still here. And in fact, you, the fallout for the for, for the money that was supposedly lost to, to money heaven, it all went to money heaven, they, they claimed. And if somebody has a bank, the, the keys to, to uh, money heaven, I presume. But, uh, yeah, they laughed during the inquiries and said it went to money heaven. And um, and we're still paying for it yet. It's not done. It's, we've still got the consequences. And your dollar gets worth less and less and less with each crash, etc., etc. But tonight, I'll just mention a few things that tie in with it. Otherwise, I could prattle all night long. And it really doesn't matter what I say because... Most folk uh, will forget it as soon as some trivia comes out about some some uh, well-known dancer who dances on the in the nude or something. I mean, that's how simple it is to distract the public, and the elite know that too. That's why they put all that stuff out there for you to to think about all distractions, and they work well because they're using primal forces to distract you. It's, it's very interesting. But anyway. Talk about the, the collusion and and the, and the organised crime all around, which is uh, it's not called crime by them, but because they're a, a above normal crime, apparently they can commit them and and walk away with millions and millions of dollars, billions actually, some of them. And it's okay to scam the public and to rip off and and take folks' homes and and etc. And it's still going on. It happened across. It set up a ripple across the world. It didn't. It wasn't just the U.S. Canada too. The banks in Canada had to get bail-ins, and they were signed on uh, to the special drawing rights that the 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 U.S. Federal Reserve set up to help banks out in the states. They set did the same for the U.S. banks helped bail Canada. Out. We're still paying for that. Yeah. Now we've got the bail-in ones ready to go if it happens again, and that obviously they meant to happen again. And they simply grab your, your savings and everything. That's what the bail-ins are about. I've, I've done the shows on them before, using their own documentation and the proofs and all the links to their own sites uh, from the World Bank and all the rest of them. And uh, there's no speculation here. There's no conspiracy nonsense. It's, it's a fact. It's all done. But uh, you will, we truly live in, in this, this uh, fake world, isn't it? They train us to live in the fake world and to be good little citizens in the fake world and to obey the fake world. Uh, and it's, it's all run by these you know, science scientists at the top on behalf of the masters who make us awfully naive and trusting so that we can't even grow up. We, we do grow up still with the same, with the same instincts as, say, the small uh, so-called primitive tribe where we trust everything and believe in what we're told because why would anybody be lying to you? And do you see how that's been totally abused and your, your mind is stolen from childhood, you're not allowed to live in a real tribal society where the adults do exactly what they say they're going to do, and you see them doing all. Uh, no, we're brought up in a scientifically controlled system where this this 
strange, amorphous creature called the state runs our whole minds and our, and all, you know, and you have no say in the matter. You can't even find out if, if what's true and what isn't true. But they make sure you're naive. You're supposed to believe in it all, uh, even when all the, the crooks come out every so often and plunder you. Now, a few years ago, I read articles, and I'll, and I'll put them up again, to do with the last bank crash. And in 2011, remember the crash supposedly happened in 2007 to 2008, and the consequences were, are still going on. But in 2011, um, the, the big banking companies involved, um, which they were called it the firm, you know, that, that was the term of the, f- the firm they called it, was given the rights to, to, to manage all this, this mess. The firm was called Stephen Jai Bomb. Stephen Jai Bomb. And this article is about this, what they did in, in 2011. October the 28th, the article went out. It says, on Friday, the law firm of Stephen Jai Bomb threw a Halloween party. The firm, which is located near Buffalo, is what is commonly referred to as the foreclosure mill, meaning it represents banks and mortgage servicers as they attempt to foreclose on homeowners and evict them from their homes. Stephen Jai Bomb is, in fact, the largest such firm in New York, and it represents virtually all the giant mortgage lenders, including Citigroup, J.P. Morgan Chase, Bank of America, and Wells Fargo. They're a party in 2011. This is, is the firm's big annual bash. The employees wear Halloween costumes to the office where they party until around noon and then return to work uh, still in costume. I can tell you uh, how people dressed for, the, for this year, this, this party, but I can't tell you about last year. This is, uh, that's because former employee of Stephen Jai Bomb recently sent snapshots of last year's party. In an email, she said that she wanted me to see them because they showed an appalling lack of compassion towards homeowners, invariably poor and down on their luck, uh, that the the bomb firms had brought uh, foreclosure proceedings against. When we spoke later, she added that the snapshots are an accurate representation of the firm's mindset. And uh, there is really, it's really a cavalier attitude, she said, it doesn't matter what people are going to lose, going to lose their homes, nor does it, the firm try to help people get mortgage uh, modifications. The pressure always is to foreclose. I told her I wanted to, to, to post the photographs on uh, the Times uh, website so readers could see them. She agreed but asked to remain anonymous. But uh, what it was in their Halloween thing, uh, this firm evicted folk from their homes and all the rest of it uh, on behalf of the banks. Uh, dressed like the homeless people in rags and so on. This was their fun. And that's what you get in this system uh, and from the people who deal with the cons and who are often behind many of the cons. I mean, money itself is a con. We know that too. But uh, And so is all the, the, the managing of debt, etc., etc. We're partly so much in debt, we owe trillions and trillions, but we just keep borrowing money. It's, such not, it's all nonsense, really. The people at the bottom, the ordinary folk, it's, it's a power technique of control, is money. And, and when the big boys decide it, uh, you're out the door and you lose your home when they have a, a crash because they've been uh, you know, plundering society as usual. But anyway, this article here, um, I'll put this up again, and this one here is actually to do with uh, New York Times. 
to show you the compassion that the, the plunderers have on the general population. I often laugh, really, uh, at the blatant propaganda of Hollywood movies, which is a big, big part of the control mechanism of getting people ready for austerity, getting people ready for whoever it happens to be, or even wars. They, they get ready for the wars and the, the just war. It's always going to be a just war and all that, and uh, and things like that. But uh, and the Disney version of the life is wonderful, and all all, all people are honest and. And the good people are ultra honest, the ones that are in positions of authority. And, and that's all part of your conditioning to believe in. Uh, it, it really is something else, uh, indoctrination. And then this other one goes through the same the same story here uh, about the Halloween party and and so on. And then let's take it closer to, to the present year, but last year. It was, it was just from different sources I heard about homeless camps springing up all over the place. In reality, a lot of these homeless camps have been there since 2008 when, when millions of people, millions of folk lost their homes. Millions. And with the free trade deals and all the rest of it, there's fewer and fewer jobs all the time uh, at back at home. How many folk does it need to, to does a place need to, to stock its shelves? Hmm? That's all you've got in a service economy eventually. This is Charleston establishes procedures for dismantling homeless camps. The area is known as Tent City, used to sit along the banks of the Elk River near the Spring Street Bridge in Charleston. Nearly a year after Mayor Danny Jones ordered dismantling of Charleston's homeless encampment known as Tent City, City Council passed a resolution Monday that establishes procedures on handling similar incidents in the future. The resolution will increase the city's annual contribution to uh, Pristera Center from forty thousand dollars to seventy five thousand dollars, which will go towards hiring two full time outreach workers, and will act as liaisons between law enforcement, homeless individuals. And the, in other words, what their, their their way of working with it is to hire more folk to 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 manage, and and work with the business community and the police and all the rest of it. Under the new resolution, the city will provide at least 14 days' written notice of intent to those staying at a homeless encampment if it's on public property. Within 48 hours of sending out notice, the city will also provide notices groups that assist the homeless, such as Pristera, Covenant House, and Rourke Sullivan Lifeway Centre. If an encampment exists on private property and the property owner requests assistance from the city to remove it, the city will contact homeless service providers, including outreach workers at least 24 hours prior to taking action. It goes on and on and on. But you see, it's getting worse and worse and worse. And and where is this wonderful, again, you know, honest, forthright media and all of this stuff? I mean, this has been going on for years, since 2008. And it's amazing how if you don't hear about it, you're out, you're out of sight, out of mind, and uh, you go on with your life and, you know... And, uh, it doesn't occur to you that you're still going down the tubes, and here's some of the. We don't want to look at the, the the reactions of the. You won't see that in a Disney movie. And then you got sweeps of homeless camps in Washington State, violated rights judge rules. And uh, federal judge in Tacoma, Washington, has found a county in the southwestern part of the state liable for clearing out homeless encampments. And seizing the residents' belongings. I mean, they've got nothing left. They've already lost their homes. But now they grab their belongings as well. 
and Judge Robert J. Bryan ruled Friday that Clark County work crews had violated the constitutional rights of at least a, a half dozen homeless residents by throwing out their tents, their stoves, their medications, documents and photographs during sweeps from 2012 to 2014. A trial will determine how much the county must pay in damages. Well, uh, I hope you understand the picture. And don't think for a, for a minute that this doesn't affect you. Because this can happen to anybody very quickly. Very quickly. And you'll find the same thing will happen uh, in the place that you used to be and the people you used to know, they'll be just as you know unconcerned about you. And you'll be one of these, these little statistics. See, that's what you become a statistic, you see. Or, and, and they hope you would just go away and die quietly. Anyway, it says the only evidence in the records is that the county's employees took all uh, unattended property and then immediately destroyed the property, regardless of where the property was abandoned, the judge wrote. He declined to immediately rule on the merits of claims by two other campers, saying it wasn't clear who had taken their property. Encampment sweeps have become increasingly controversial as officials have struggled with rising rates of homelessness around the country. The American Civil Liberties Union and other advocates from homeless people have filed recent lawsuits over sweeps in Denver, Honolulu, Los Angeles, and other cities. And it's important to remember that people who are homeless, they have constitutional rights, including the right to due process when government seeks to seize their possessions, says Doug Honig, spokesman for the American Civil Liberties Union of Washington. While the possessions may not have great monetary value, they can be vital to the lives of people who do not have shelter. It's also their photographs, too. It could be family that are, that are still alive or dead or whatever, and, and it's, it's all they've got, you know. The chapter of the organization was not involved in Clark County lawsuit, but it, it and other civil rights groups have urged that Seattle to change its approach to homeless encampments. And it goes on again, and... Here's one here too, as Gainesville homeless population grays hope fades, February 4th, 2017. This is in the U.S. This is supposed to be the most prosperous country in the world. And let's just stop here. If that's the most prosperous country, what are the rest of them really like? Older workers have uh, had more trouble uh, rebounding from great recessions. About 35% of people living in Greece marketplace are over 50. That number appears to sure to rise. And I think that Gainesville is in Florida, and uh, everybody's basically getting it. Um, I'm getting lots of, I have been getting lots of email for over the last months and months and months, few months. With, with more and more folk um, even discovering that there's there's homeless camps not far from them. They didn't know they existed. They're quiet. Yeah. Anyway, they, 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 you get through the life story of some of the people here in, in this, this Florida. They have camps here. They have Dignity Village and all that kind of thing for 50-year-olds and, and older. And folk don't have the pensions, a lot of them. Uh, or or they, they don't have enough money for their pensions and it's getting more and more expensive as the dollars. There is purchasing power. The dollar drops all the time. That's built into our system, isn't it? Your money always is devalued. In every country, and it's, they call it normal, every country is the same. Look at the old, old movies and they could fill up their gas tanks for for maybe a, a, a dollar. You know, fill it up completely in old movies. 
And you, you say, wait a minute, a dollar is worth that? Well, that was the purchasing power of a dollar by then. And it's built into it. And they call it normal as we go through this nonsense with money. And this article goes on with different people, the ages of them, and 74-year-olds with dementia, things like that. And the face of the homeless population is getting older. And with that comes a need for different kinds of services or any given day we're living with, the risk of becoming an assistance an assisted living facility for people who ultimately have no place else to go. Now, I'll tell you another thing, too, with the carbon taxes. Now, I guarantee you, I'm right here, this will happen. And you'll find it in our countries, too, uh, with the carbon taxes going up. With the cold, in the colder climates, where folk are already having a hard time making ends meet, they'll end up like Britain, they can't afford the heat, and so they'll be forced to move to the warmer areas. Guarantee you, it's going to happen. Where they, and they'll be homeless in the, in the warmer areas, but at least you won't freeze to death at night. And to live in, in the countries like Canada, I mean, half your year where I am, half your year you're, you've, you've got heating on. And now with all the carbon taxes, it's going to get slapped on top of that. Uh, you won't be able to live there anymore. And that's intentional too by the, the authorities is, is to try to get folk off the land and off and moved into their, 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 their fallen down, uh, broken down old cities. That's what they want for the present time, Agenda 21. Agenda for the whole 21st century it has to be completely decentry. So folk will definitely move or have to move uh, to places where it's warm. And believe that there's not that much kind of places in Canada where you have that kind of warmth. You certainly don't have the, the kind of warmth you get in Florida. And so you will see people in the states definitely move uh, to the warmer. They've got no choice because they, they'll end up dying if they don't in the colder areas. But uh, there's, there's, there's stacks of these, these particular kind of stories. And here's another one, too, um, to do with uh, Hawaii. <laughs> and as Waikiki moves homeless uh, out of tourist zones, some fear perpetual displacement. And the homeless population has dropped by 83% over the past two years since a sit-lie uh, ban. You can't sit or lie down some in different places. Uh, to keep you moving But some in Hawaii fear enforcement Has gone too far And then they, usually, they give you the usual Stories of individuals You know about One guy who, who Used to spend the nights in streets and parks Of Waikiki The jewel of Hawaii's tourism industry But now everything, every evening the homeless man Must ride his bike three miles from the beach neighbourhood And ascend the, the Cinder slopes of a volcano to sleep Or risk arrest and the homeless population has dropped by 83%, they say, over the past two years. Again, they're always great with their percentages, which mean nothing. According to a local non-profit that provides homeless services in the area, while many have been housed, others say they've simply been pushed out. All they do is move folk around. All countries do this. With unwanted implications for the rest of Honolulu. It reminds me of a documentary I watched some years back. It was quite interesting where it was called, I think it was, it was called The Tribe, and it was, it was three head men uh, of a tribe in over uh, outside, I think it was Borneo, maybe one of the Borneo uh, groups. And uh, they were, I think they were under, anyway, I think they were under the, uh, um, under Australian uh, management Anyway, they, they live very simply. They were kept almost like a, like a, a showpiece of, of a different age. But they were, they were healthy, well cared for, and so on. But three of these people in the tribes uh, wanted to go over to Britain. It was a great something they were always wanting to do. 
and to even meet uh, royal family because of their ancient tradition was that, that when the British troops first came in a long time ago, um, they had a connection to uh, with a, a charter to, to Britain. So these three chiefs were brought over uh, in this, this show and uh, their own tribe basically lived in, in huts, nice warm climate. I'd live in one and they didn't have... Uh, cars or anything, they live quite happily, they're self-sufficient, allowed to be self-sufficient, we wouldn't be allowed that here now, you know, you could even light a fire, the carbon police would be down top of you, if you want to cook something, but um, their clothing was very simple, t-shirts, and, and many of them really honestly did have uh, grass skirts on, but anyway, they, they, they brought the three, three chiefs over, and they were astonished to see, they'd never seen, uh, been outside their, their island, and, and here's, they couldn't believe the what they were seeing, you know, even the inhumane ways of farming, of artificial insemination, they thought that was disgusting, and that nature shouldn't be interfered with, no, and so on. But what really, what really got them to was when they saw in the big cities in, in England, the homeless folk, they, they, and they asked what this, these people were, this was in the winter time, uh, who were sleeping outside and, and all the rest of it, and and they couldn't, they said, who are these people? They said, well, these are homeless, you know. They, could, they, could, they didn't have anything in their comprehension for homeless people because in their own tribe, everyone looked after everybody else. And then this fellow tried to explain that, that in, the, in the civilized countries, we don't look after everybody else. And uh, it comes to a stage where you just let them die in the streets. It's, it's quite something when you think about it. We've got plenty of money for wars, and we've got plenty of money to throw across the world under the pretense of help, helping other countries, and even for bringing in mass immigration. But you've got no money to take care of the people in your own country. And you've got elderly folk in Britain dying in their own homes because they can't afford the, the fuel to heat themselves. These are, pension, these are people with, pen, with pensions, but they're, t- they're tiny little pensions. And the cost of living goes up there too. And this is the, the system we were taught to, to revere and, um, and to protect and all the rest of it. Uh, but it takes, you know, so-called, so-called you know, simple tribesmen to point out this horror. They, they were an absolute horror when they saw this, this kind of thing happening. Couldn't understand it. Yep, and that's the system we're in, eh? I can remember quite a few years back when there was a big ha-ha thing in the media. I mean, quite a, quite a few years back when, the, when I think it was New York City had um, a big tent population and they brought in the bulldozers and made a big production of it and flattened it all and all the rest of it. It was like a ha-ha thing. And then New York, had, New York City had big meetings to do with future problems. What are they going to do? Well... What they do there is they get the folk who are homeless or on, or on welfare or in that, and they start deporting them into other towns outside of Washington uh, City. And until some of the areas around them um, are, are just full of the same people on welfare and so on. It's, it's staggering. It, it truly is staggering. Uh, every, every place copies that now. Everybody does it. I'll continue here, and it's... Uh, in, say, Waikiki and Hawaii. And it says, in 2014, the law made it illegal to sit or lie on public sidewalks in Waikiki, a move championed by a worried tourism industry. Visitors to the islands must reconcile their idea of a Pacific uh, ideal 
with the highest per capita rate of homelessness of any U.S. state, and until recently the prime example was Waikiki. But as other neighborhoods seek to copy Waikiki's example, critics are concerned the homeless people could be forced into a state of perpetual displacement. I wonder what happened if you got sick and you fell down, because you're lying, not allowed to lie down. Would they discharge you then? Maybe, maybe take you to the hospital? I don't know. And um, this is Waikiki is renowned for its pellucid water, high-rises, and luxury storefronts. According to recent data, the, the mile-long seaside stretch accounted for $7.3 billion in tourism revenue in 2015, or which was 40 to 42% of Hawaii's total tourism spending statewide. It's also responsible, but uh, based on 2010 numbers, for more than 30,000 local jobs. But homelessness in Waikiki was the number one complaint amongst tourists before the sit-or-lie-down ban, <laughs> according to the Hawaii Tourism Authority President George Segeti. The sit-lie ban was needed in Waikiki, he said, praising it for virtually eliminating homelessness in most high-traffic areas. So in other words, you can't lie. You have to move around, that's all. And that's what we do. That's our answer to things. And then they, they talk about how they force folk into, into shelters, if they have the shelters, and all the rest of it, and so on and so on. No one will ever address the problems as to why we got them in the first place. They won't address the, the fact that your government's uh, left wing and right wing, because they're all the same, they're all owned by the same bunch, as we all know, uh, for, for many, many, many years, you know have been signing all the, the free trade agreements and getting the jobs out of the country. And you've got to understand a vast, a vast amount of people in, in all the first world countries worked in factories. And countries that used to make all their own things. Everything you need, a pair of scissors made in the USA. Made in Britain, you know, even made in Canada. There's nothing now that's made anywhere. It's all made in China. That was all part of the deal that our elites decide they're going to have with China. So whole, so stacks of people who worked in, in, in manufacturing are gone. The jobs are gone. Manufacturers have gone. All the suppliers for the materials to the manufacturers are gone. It's a massive, massive industry is all gone. By design and plan. By our elites. With the little gophers, the politicians, uh, all saying all the right things. I can remember when... Brian Mulroney was asked different questions. He was another one who ran on the ticket of getting us out of the, the, the NAFTA and, and so on. So was his counterpart before him. It was um, Cretien. They both ran on the ticket they were going to bring. And once they got into power as, as prime ministers, they, they both changed their minds. One after Then the next one, you know. Immediately, within a week or two, they, were, they became the champions for free trade. Because it's all a con. It's all a con. Then when they're asked years later if it's going to be good for Canada, they say, well, they don't, they honestly, they don't know. That's what Moroni said. Years later, he was out of politics. He says, oh, to be honest, I don't know. Well, how come he, he was absolutely dead certain when he was in politics? Because he was doing what he was told, that's why. And that's the reality of the world. We don't, our politicians aren't, aren't the bosses. No matter what you think. There's always a dominant minority above it all. Carl Quigley, in his own book, Tragedy and Hope, said that in the, in the 1960s, remember, he wrote that book, and he said, uh, he said the, the, the competing factions in politics are allowed a certain amount of competition, because obviously they can feather their own beds and pockets. 
But in reality, uh, they both had to go along with the same agendas on behalf of those, you know, as we all know, way above it all. But they're allowed to make little changes here and there to, just to divert more cash towards themselves and their and their own boys and gals. Because people go into politics and get awfully rich out of it. It's amazing, isn't it, when you look at their salary and they, you, you see what they retire with. But that's the way of it. But no, they, have, they all have masters and they know that. Otherwise, we wouldn't have the messes that we get into. And the public would start benefiting in a big way. Uh, we wouldn't have these botched jobs, you might say, of, oh, maybe we made a mistake with free trade. You've, you've never heard them say that yet, have you? I don't think anybody's saying that. <laughs> the obvious cannot be mentioned, it's taboo. But anyway, just as taboo is, is all the all the bad news, you know, like like Rogers said, you know, the, he was wanting people to give the, the news stations to give it more positive news, you know, omit the bad stuff and, and and give good stories, nice little stories, keep us all happy. And that's how you treat children. I'll put this link up, and then also we have um, deputies bring in heavy machinery to clear homeless people camp near the land. And this is, uh, that was last, that was February 2017. And uh, Volusia County Sheriff deputies and officials arrived Thursday morning with a bulldozer and other equipment in tow to begin the evacuation of a homeless camp near the land. And um, again, it's another kind of sob story because you they give you, that's the only reason that the media, media will mention these things at all. They will get people who will read them. But uh, they're quite happy not to mention it at all if their masters say so. And again, it's got uh, another story about how they how they're getting moved around and moved out and all the rest of it. It's sad. It's terribly sad. But that's the, the norm now, and most folk don't care. You know. And homeless cleared from camp in downtown Indianapolis. That was April two thousand. That's April the first, two thousand seventeen. Uh, this is America, the beautiful, eh? and, the, and the great, and all the rest of it. Residents of a homeless camp in a wooded area along a railroad line in Indianapolis have been forced to leave their property. And it uh, gives a story about that, too. The same kind of thing. I've got other ones, too. Housing Not Handcuffs, a litigation manual it's got here from the National Law Centre on Homelessness and Poverty. It's really, really, really sad, isn't it? What's, what's happening? It's, it's terrible. Really, what's happening? We don't really think about it, and we don't want to talk about it. And I'll put up uh, a few other links to do with the same kind of problem for those who've got the stomach for it. Most folk don't. We've all been taught increasingly so uh, by the big boys at the top that have had their think tanks working over time, and I've read the articles over the years where they said they got to give the folk optimism by ignoring the, the negative. Just don't tell them about the negative, and the, the media generally complies about it. I'm surprised that I could even find these stories right now. But I think we're, it's because we're in a pause situation. It's like nothing else is, is, is ha- nothing else is to be told to the public about what's happening in the world. You really feel that, don't you? I do. You see, how come you know it should be media telling about all all kinds of things, but no, it's like it's, not, it's dead silence. All you hear in the U.S. is about this nonsense about Trump and, and the Russians. That's all you're hearing. This, this, this incredible, um, almost gang mentality of, of, uh, of supposedly 
a, a variety of media all saying the same thing, which tells you it's all the same system that they all belong to. And, and, and obviously, too, it's like nothing's going to happen till, till there's a crack in one, one or the other camps here. But uh, I'll have to put this link up, this uh, Department of Housing and uh, Development as well. Talking about this is and how they're going to supposedly handle. You can't handle it when you when you've there's no work for the people. You can't do it, and you can't keep falling back. Oh, there's more folk getting old. There's, hey, folk have just started getting old now. Is that is that what they're telling us? Come on, come on, come on, come on. And another one, two one seven seven, totally in construction impacts homeless camps. You don't know they're all around you until they start. This is Charlotte, North Carolina. And there's, as I say, there's a lot of communities didn't even know there were camps anywhere near them. The folk are quiet enough, you know, no cause, no problems. But they're buying in woods or around them or whatever. It's just terrible. But that's what you get. This, this is the this is uh, happening. Is supposedly we're supposed to be concerned about a, a bunch of other things and trivialities and so on, but it, it's not going to be fixed. They have no intentions of uh, uh, bringing back the factories or our work to the U.S., for instance, because that would abolish the whole global agenda for a global system of government. The U.S. and the West, in general, were, were picked to end up to be what they call service economies. That's flopping because it can't even keep us afloat. And uh, and the country that's been raking in the cash are the manufacturers. It's, all, it's, it's everybody new. This, this argument is no argument at all because in the 1970s, the top economists of Britain were hammering all this out in the media, in the newspapers, uh, with the, the whole idea of integration with Europe, and they said that Britain would have to be in a service economy. And look at the mess Britain's in now. When, when, when as I say, people die in their homes, people who have worked in their pitfall little pensions, they die in their homes so they cannot afford the heating. And that's now normal. They call that normal. Normal. But the same government will go along with the global agenda of mass migration into the country and fund it all as their own folks starve or, or, or freeze to death in their homes. And now they're going to hammer them with carbon taxes for heating themselves. You know, political correctness has to go out the window completely. Political correctness has to be tied with a ball and chain and sunk at the bottom of the ocean if we're to survive. And people have to start speaking what's obvious and chuck all these experts out of their jobs and start putting practicality back into them because we're living in a nightmare right now and no one wants to face it. Mind you, in this psychologically controlled system of experts and entertainment all working together, People are so distracted, they could walk over the edge of a cliff and they wouldn't notice. They're happily distracted. There are a lot of happy slaves as well, in some places at the, at the moment, till they're tossed out in the street. But in the meantime, that, and it's just incredible that 
We're going down the tubes, down the tubes, and they keep telling us uh, to spend more money, more money across the world. Just throw your tax money. Did you realize that you were, you were born into a mandatory charity? Hmm? It's called government. And the charities all flowing outwards, generally to their own pockets and, and the guise of other organizations and so on. Now, I, it's not more of me being pessimistic. I'm just stating what is. It's what is isn't pleasant. And this nonsense, oh, don't look at the negative, look at the positive. That's what they've trained you to believe. They have big, big shows of this in psychology, how to manage the, mass, the masses, you know. Train them to, to look at the positive, not to look at the negative. And it's so that you can live in a Disneyland of, of fantasy as you go down the tubes. Well, as I say, I don't want to... to uh, this is only a little bit of what I was going to talk about tonight, but it's dragged on. and it's, Actually, it's not dragged on, it's flown in in a fraction of the time I wanted. And I might have to start doing more nights per week, I don't know, if I, if I, can, if I can manage it. But um, we've got to really wake up and, and say, start saying what is in the world. Stop, stop, break out of your conditioned responses to things and, and say what is. See what's on your mind. We've got to start doing this again. Because this, 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 this complete fantasy uh, gibberish of political correctness uh, is, is intended to, have, to stop communication of anything that matters, even vital to survival. That's what it's about. That's what 1984 talked about with Newspeak. And we're here. We're here. In your post-consumerist society, now with the carbon taxes, it's going to take all your free spending money. The U.S. did not implement the, the mandatory health insurance suddenly, just by, you know, with a whim. That's part of it, too. That's your spending money for a lot of folk gone for the month, every month. Into post-consumer, into austerity. It's all planned that way. I hope you understand that. And we're, we're carefully managed by people. Carefully managed. Constantly monitored and carefully managed. Most folk don't know. Most folk don't care. Because they're so far gone. But for those who can think, it's up to you to keep this torch of thinking alive. Because thinking is dying. Repetition of what, what's been indoctrinated into you continues, but that's not thinking. Thinking is for what you are supposed to do as an individual. From myself from Ontario, Canada, I'm Alan Watt. It's good night to me. Your God, your God's go with you.